Weird. Well, greetings to you, you weirdos, and welcome to Weird. This is the podcast that gives you all the news that you can use to blow a fuse, and it's all true. My name is Aaron. And my name is Craig. We'll be your host through this strange news spectacular. If this is your first time listening to Weird, welcome. Each episode of Weird is a podcast in two parts. The first half is the weekly Weird, where we bring you the recent Weird news stories and For the second half of the show, you have our big story. Big story. This is where we talk about stories that are so strange. They need more time than the stories we talk about during the weekly weird, which is the first part. The big story is where you'll hear about things like alien abductions, uh, Bigfoot sightings, real life monsters, and really short people like Aaron. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Tonight, we are going to dig into the story of Mothman. You know, Craig, it's, it's Halloween month. I figure for the next few episodes, we're going to do something scary. Well, well, what's really lame about the Mothman story is just... There's nothing just, lame about just it. Just turn your porch light on. He'll come straight to it. <laughs> Mothman was a creature that terrorized a West Virginia town in the uh, 1960s. You sure it wasn't uh, uh, Jessica White? Yeah, no. Wasn't he in West Virginia? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Mountain Mom. Anyway, that's coming up a little bit later. We'll talk about that then. But right now, it's time for... <laughs> story. This one comes from our good friend Jules Camerzel Clifton, Tony Clifton's niece. Super listener. She's Su- super, super weirdo. Super crazy. No, I don't know. I just said that. I was trying to come up with something to say with super. Super, super duper. duper. Super duper. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength. Florida. Okay, ready for this one? Yeah, I am. <clears throat> Florida teen chases grandfather with knife after being denied more tomatoes. We say tomatoes here. Yes, we do. At dinner. Did you see her mugshot by any chance? I did not. It's hilarious. This comes to us from... I didn't even plug in my soundboard tonight. Look at me. Look at you. Where's that Florida? Well, the thing is... Your soundboard's not working. I don't know it's working. And I had to reset my soundboard this week. Uh, So we've got limited sounds. No, we still have plenty of sounds. They sound very loud, by the way. Well, yeah, I know. That's why I turned it up when we tested it. So I'll take care of that. You better. Post. post. Yeah, I'll take care of it in post. You're going to take it to the post office? Nope. Because that's what they say. You know, our friends in Australia would say, we had to go take hey, it. go on down to yeah, the post. Yeah, go take it post. That's not a sound. That's not a mailbox. That's a post. I don't even know. What happened to all of our friends in Australia? Nobody talks to us Really? Anymore. We had some friends in Australia. And we're looking at you. Hey, Adam. Ace Podcast tweeted today. What? I know. It's like back to life. Hey, have your people call our people. Yeah. Hey, anyway, uh, Nassau, Nassau, Nassau County, Florida. Uh, resident Katie Jade Gates. Already had the three names in there. KJG. KJG. Allen. Katie Jade Allen Gates. Yeah, right. Um, We don't do that anymore. No, it doesn't matter. She had three names already. Yeah, and we don't do it anyway because there's no rules anymore. No, no rules anymore. We threw them out. We're lawless. Yeah. Is what we are. Just like... Anyway, she's 19. She was arrested after she became angry that she was not allowed to eat more than her, quote unquote, fair share of tomatoes. This girl loves tomatoes. I bet she'll put ketchup on everything, too. Well, that that's, you know, it's its own food group. Ketchup is a fruit smoothie. What? Yeah, tomatoes are fruit. Yeah, I know that. So, ketchup. Oh, because it's already blended. And yeah, yeah. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's a fruit. It's a fruit smoothie. Yeah. Ketchup. You're a fruit. 
Hey. Anyway, and she chased her grandfather, NCSO says. Who? Who N- says? NCSO. You know NCSO. <laughs> according. Are you down with the NCSO? No. Uh, Back according up, you creep. According to the grandfather, Gates began to throw a fit because she couldn't have more tomatoes. I just like to say it pretentiously. Whatever. Police say uh, she couldn't have more tomatoes, so the police said she started getting crazy. Anyway, uh, Gates then became disrespectful towards others in the house, enraging enraging them. This is some really bad, uh, as we've talked about before. The Yeah, we should probably pre-read. Well, I didn't write it. <laughs> no, you didn't read it either. No, I don't. I don't know how to read. <laughs> anyway, uh, she was enraging other people in the house, according to the report. She initially threw a cigarette pack at her great grandmother, who's seventy three. Uh, well, that wouldn't hurt. Striking, unless she smoked them, or then that came, could kill or, her. Or they came in a can. <laughs> uh, striking her in the eye, then Gates grabbed a knife. That's not a knife, and started waving it around her grandfather. Her grandfather ran out of the house. <laughs> And Gates chased him with a knife in her hand, police say. Don't she, run with knives, children. She threatened to stab him in the face and began poking the knife towards his face, nearly cutting him. Police arrested Gates on charges of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and aggravated battery on a victim over the age of 65. That's a law they made up right there. Uh, she was transported to the Nassau County detention facility. Gates and her grandparents lived together. Not well, they did live together. <laughs> In her mugshot, she's got a smile from ear to ear. Small. She's like, like, look at me. What a nut. You taking my... Can I have that for my Instagram? We'll see what quality tomatoes she gets in the clink. Yeah. Yeah, in the pokey. You know, in the Stony Lonesome. Yeah, the uh, Gray Bar Motel. The clink? Did you say clink? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Headline is, reading a book... The big house. In this Shanghai toilet could be a bad idea if you don't want to be disturbed. So Shanghai's built around 150 smart public toilets. Smart. What's? I, I must have a dumb toilet. Yeah, I got a stupid one. But you better not spend longer than 15 minutes inside. You know, is there any real smart toilet? Because if it knew what was going on, it, would it, would, clo- it, it, it never it would, would open. It, would, it wouldn't be there. It'd leave. <laughs> if you spend more than 15 minutes inside, an alert will be sent to municipal workers to check on you. Are you okay? Hey, why you not moving? Why you not out here? We got people in your poo. Cool, you got get out of here. What you got? Fecal surprise? That's all you can poop. We got fecal fecal surprise. It's all that. That's no. <clears throat> it's gone. Let it go. Oh, there it is. Fecal surprise. You go. You know how fecal surprise here. You leave. The new toilets are part of China's effort to extend AI into almost every aspect of daily life. That's an end, end of time story right there. And come hot on the heels of the smart rubbish bins and AI-powered traffic lights. Mm-hmm. They haven't become self-aware, but when they do. Ooh. Each toilet stall has a human body sensor using infrared rays and ultrasound to detect the person inside and how long they have been sitting there. We're talking about anxiety. Yeah, that's according to a document released by the government. Sensors also monitor the air quality inside. <laughs> I hate to change that filter. Yep, I want to do that. <clears throat> The cubicle and a water-saving feature will adjust the water level based on occupancy time. Okay. <laughs> He'd been here a long time. At 10 gallon. <laughs> I think it's okay. Oh, wait. I think it's okay with me, but probably not a good idea to read a novel inside the toilet. Frank Lin. Not Franklin. Not Frank, Frank Lin. Frank Lin. A 22-year-old Shanghai native told the Post on hearing about the initiative. Beijing Gongzhao 
and Shenzhen are also working to make public toilets smarter. You know, Shenzhen, that's where all that cool, like, cool Japanese tech comes from. Yeah. You know, like, I'm my 3D printers and stuff, a lot of that stuff comes from Shenzhen. I hey, mean, watch your language. They, got, they, got, they got it podcast. going on there when it comes to cool tech stuff or cheap ripoffs of tech stuff. More than 700 cities in China have proposed or are in the process of building smart infrastructure, according to a report uh, by some indir- indust- industry research. Quinzon Qu- Industry Quiznos. Research Quiznos Institute. <laughs> By 2019, by the end of 2019, the market size of China's smart cities is expected to exceed 10 trillion won. That's a lot of wines. A lot. Yeah. And is predicted to reach 25 million wines. And how are they going to get that many wines to come live there? Well, is it not yen? It's yuan. It's wines. Yeah, it's wines by 2022. Technology is being applied to everything from airport security to crime prevention to garbage sorting in China. In the southern high-tech tub of Shenzhen. Hub? Yeah. You said tub. I didn't. I said hub. You said tub. I said high-tech hub. Of Shenzhen. I just said they of were. Of Shenzhen. I just, I just went on about them. Jaywalkers have already been named and shamed by pilot facial recognition schemes. You know what, Craig? Have you ever read Strange, uh, Strange New World? No. What about 1984? No. We're in the middle of both of those novels. I did read Animal Farm, which is Orwell. Yeah. It's Orwellian for sure, well, it's and, his, and it was interesting. It actually is his book. It actually, yeah, 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 it actually yeah. is George Orwell. But both, I just didn't read the big. I didn't, read, I didn't want to read the big book with lots of big words. You combine those books, and the funny thing is, we bring these cameras in. Have you seen this Facebook camera you set on top of your? Well, it's just like the. Uh, it follows you around. Oh, I've seen the one that Alexa, their version. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm having trouble. Oh, you said, oh I'm go. sorry. <laughs> sorry, dear. We weren't calling you, honey. Go back in there and do whatever you're doing. We're sorry. Just play our sounds for right now. Alexa, I love you. So not everyone. Sorry. Craig. I'm having trouble understanding right now. I was just telling her I loved her. Still not I want to get Alexa for my car. Wait seen that? Technology. Uh, okay, we've already talked about it. Still not everyone may be so enthusiastic about the new toilet facilities. This could be embarrassing for me. Said a Shanghai resident, surnamed Liu, who declined Lou, to give her, give her full name when speaking to the Post. Since I was a little kid, I'm spending two, uh, two spending up to half an hour in the toilet. Uh, this would mean a toilet water checking on me twice. A toilet worker. Toilet water or toilet worker? Checking on me twice. That makes me nervous. I told you it's going to be. Hey, listen. I got a, we got a cautionary tale coming up here. Oh, it's a local story, too. It's a local story. Uh, a little cautionary tale about... Maybe how you don't want to bring people to Jesus. Okay, this is probably not the way. Yeah. Any of our believer listeners out there, I just want to tell you, this is not believers. Believers, not no believers. Oh, if you're if you if you if you're a believer and you hear this story, I just want you to know this is a cautionary tale about how not to bring people. No, we wouldn't do this at my church, church. To the church, you might you probably would at yours. <clears throat> Anywho, Tennessee deputy was sued twice in the same day over a roadside, <clears throat> let's say, full-body cavity search. Yeah. And a forced baptism. <laughs> you heard that right. You, 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 you don't have to adjust your headphones. I said that. I said a roadside full-body cavity search and a forced baptism. Oh, boy. You've got to be a special kind of law enforcement officer to have two well, lawsuits. Well, maybe he was wearing a collar. Was it a splash or was it a dunk? Can I get to the story, please? Okay, go. You've got to be a special kind of law, uh, law enforcement officer to have two lawsuits filed against you the same day. Hamilton County Deputy Daniel Wilkie is that kind of special. 
The Tennessee law enforcement officer managed to violate rights against enough people that two of them retained lawyers. This suggests Deputy Wilkie violated rights on a regular basis, but maybe not egregiously enough to merit a lawsuit in every case. Both cases here are disturbing, and they're disturbing in different ways. I've never read a, not me, but the person who wrote this said, I've never read a civil uh, civil rights lawsuit against an officer uh, that included claims of forcible religious experience, but here we are. (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's what the author of this article Forcible said. religious experiences never work. I don't think so. Yeah. The first lawsuit uh, filed by Shandell Riley alleges that Deputy Wilkie followed her to a friend's house from a nearby gas station. Once he had pulled her over, things got weird quick. First, Deputy Wilkie claimed Riley was holding meth. To prove this, he engaged in a full-body pat-down Then he ordered her to take off her undergarments and shake them out and shake her shirt to prove uh, she hadn't stashed any meth in there. Riley asked for a female officer. So this is the victim. This is the girl that was pulled over. Asked for a female officer. Victor. What's your Victor, Victor? Uh, She uh, asked for a female officer to be present during the search, but the deputy told her the law doesn't require female cops (laughs) to search female citizens. I I see where this is going. He then asked if she had anything illegal in her car. She said she had a little bit of marijuana stashed in a pack of cigarettes. At that point. She said at one time I did have a Nickelback CD in the yeah, glove compartment, yeah. but it was just a joke. Yeah, it was, I was just experimenting. At that point, Deputy Wilkie became verbally abusive. Not because of Nickelback, but because of the marijuana. <laughs> then he decided to strike a deal with the alleged criminal. We'll go, uh, we'll go to the lawsuit for that. It offers the the, the driest. The, the author of the of the article says we'll go to the, we're going to the list of what's in the lawsuit because it offers the best recounting of what happened. I can't wait. <clears throat> and I, I made them bullet points. Yeah, look at you. I know because they're bullet points. Okay, Evan, evidence or information. Bullet point. Lawsuit stuff here. Lawsuit point 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 one. <laughs> I'm having a problem over here. Did you just have a stroke? No, not yet. Wilkie then approached plaintiff and asked her if she was saved and believed in Jesus Christ. Plaintiff stated that she believed in Jesus Christ, but she was not saved by her own choice. Wilkie then told plaintiff (laughs) that God was talking to him during the vehicle search and Wilkie felt the Lord wanted him to baptize the plaintiff. Wilkie further told plaintiff that he felt the spirit sounds like you've been drinking some spirits to me these are the words coming from the mouth of a sworn peace officer and that's not the end of it the opinion give the option rather given to riley was to participate in this highly unconventional baptism presided over by an officer of the law or get thrown into the gaping maw of the criminal justice system with as much force as deputy wilkie could muster if Riley agreed to the baptism, Wilkie said he would only cite her for marijuana possession and <laughs> speak to the judge on her behalf, which he never did. Riley complied with Wilkie's demands, which included grabbing towels from her friend's house and following Wilkie's cruiser out to a nearby lake. imagine the conversation as she ran in to get towels? She gotta said, get towels, gotta get baptized. She said, y'all, you're not going to believe what's about to happen. Cops got to baptize me. <laughs> hold, hold that joint for me. Hold on I'll be back in here in 15 minutes. <laughs> 
Back at the lake, Riley and Wilkie, this is the victim and the deputy, were joined by Deputy Jacob Goforth. Goforth. Uh, Goforth. <laughs> what a name. Who did nothing as Wilkie <laughs> proceeded with the baptism. It's like me and you on this podcast. Do nothing. <laughs> you're you're Goforth. Not and, a th- go forth and, and do nothing. Wilkie. Go forth and do nothing. <laughs> Wilkie, okay, here's what happened. Here's more bullet points. Wilkie told plaintiff that Goforth was present because in order for a baptism to be valid, a witness must Gotta have a witness. To the ritual. Yeah, you got to have a witness, con- otherwise you I, don't get into heaven. I think he's confusing that with a marriage. <laughs> Wilkie then stripped or buying a St. car. St. Peter says, who is your witness? Ah, you're out. He said, can I get a witness? <laughs> Wilkie then stripped nearly naked. The cop stripped nearly naked, only with his boxer shorts. <laughs> Wilkie then gave plaintiff the option to strip too, but she declined. I think I'll just stay closed, I'm officer. Good. I'm good. <laughs> can we do this? Look, I'm Methodist. Can you just sprinkle my hair? <laughs> Wilkie then led plaintiff to the uh, into the near waist deep and frigid water, placed one <laughs> hand on the plaintiff's back and surprisingly his other hand on her breast and completely submerged her into the water. Wilkie held plaintiff under the water for several moments, then with his hand still positioned on her back and breast, raised the plaintiff from the cold water. Plaintiff was shivering uncontrollably and felt horribly violated. Unfortunately for Riley, I doubt there's a case in point which will uh, easily eliminate Wilkie's qualified immunity defense, whatever that means. <laughs> but hopefully, the court will recognize this is a crazy, insane. It's crazy, insane enough. It doesn't need to find a case on point. Uh, find the case on point uh, to find Wilkie violated her rights. To top it all off, Riley held up her end. Uh, top it off like a cup of coffee. Yeah. T- top it all off, Riley held up her end of the. Under the color of law bargain, Deputy Wilkie did not. If that was the only thing Wilkie was being sued about, uh, it would be enough to question his fitness for duty. Fitness, fitness, whole pizza in my mouth. Yeah, hold some pizza now. Oh, but as you already know, this isn't the end of the accusations against the deputy. The second lawsuit, boom, boom, yeah, boom, filed in the same court on the same day, alleges Deputy Wilkie engaged in a suspicious Suspicionless stop that turned into an impromptu roadside full body cavity search and the beating of a handcuffed man. And oh my gosh, does it start with one of the dumbest things an officer has ever said to defend a pretextual stop (laughs) from the lawsuit. Wilkie followed plaintiffs and conducted a traffic stop of the plaintiffs on the false claims of window tent violation and then he could smell the odor of marijuana as Wilkie followed the plaintiffs okay the uh, this assertion of Wilkie's exceptional olfactory senses is followed by a parade of brutalities inflicted on the passenger of the pulled over vehicle at the hands of the deputy fortunately for the plaintiffs the whole interaction was recorded here is the lawsuit description of those events. More bullet points. Real, okay, real good. quick. Yeah. Wilkie's, I know it's a long story, but it's a good one. Yeah, what is this? Big story? Yeah. Wilkie handcuffed James, and uh, the individual defendants took James to the front uh, of one of their police vehicles. Wilkie then began to grab James in the area where you don't want to be grabbed. <laughs> he became when, a soprano. Yes. When James told Wilkie that James had an untreated and large oh. hernia... And that Wilkie's actions were causing James pain. Brewer yeah. and Wilkie. He asked for a female officer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they jerked James' ha- arms high above his back and slammed his face down on the hot oh, engine hood, darn. causing injury. 
Wilkie and Brewer. Then, How's that for Arnia? <laughs> Uh, Wilkie and Brewer then beat James with fist, <laughs> knees, <laughs> and feet, slammed James to the ground, and continued their brutalization. Wilkie and Brewer then removed James' <laughs> pants and shoes while still beating him. Wilkie and Brewer then forced James back onto the hot hood of the same police vehicle to continue to jerk his arms high above his back and uh, and beat him. While Brewer continued to force James James's face back onto the hot hood of the same police vehicle and... Uh, jerk his uh, arms high above his back. What a bunch of jerks. Yeah. Wilkie donned a set of gloves, pulled down James's undergarments, and conducted a full-body cavity search. Oh, boy. The lawsuit goes on to note that James suffered numerous injuries, including some injuries we won't talk about, and aggravate... Reminds me of a physical I had earlier this year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Doc got the whole fist. (laughs) Moon Uh... The, the, and he aggravated his existing hernia. The charges brought against James, the deputies discovered drug... Oh, wait. The charges brought against James, the deputies described, uh, discovered drugs in his underwear... Were oh, all, they did? ...were all dropped after the dash cam video was made public. Deputy Wilkie has been suspended, but it's uh, the nice kind. That means he'll be paid to do nothing while um, the sheriff's office decides what to do with him. Uh, it would seem obvious uh, he's too expensive to keep around. Yeah, I would think so. Now, let me ask you this. What's worse, an officer forcing you to be baptized or a pastor of a large church planning people in the audience to stand up at baptism time in order to How's get... How is this relevant? I, I was just asking you a question. Right. Yeah. Right. Which both, was which is worse, both, do you think? Both. They're equally bad? They're equally bad. Yeah. All right. Head well, 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 I would say... One is one is uh, deceptive, and one of them is 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 just empty. See the empty one. I would think the other were were worse. What harm does it do? Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah me. For those who don't know, you Aaron, just yeah yeah me. For those who don't know, Aaron has an agenda that we will not discuss. <laughs> I do not. He does. He does. It's a great big one too. <laughs> It's huge. I have no agenda. It's like a huge agenda. It's got its own weather system. It's round. It's got like pointy parts. <laughs> Reminds me of a joke. It's. I'm it's, sorry, sir. You have a cute angina. <clears throat> got what? Cute angina. Acute angina. Acute you never an- heard that joke? No, I don't. Well, no, I, don't I, I can't. A, I'm no, not no, sure. No, that, it's not appropriate. I'm not sure that, it's not. It's a. It's a elementary school joke where everybody just laughed and laughed. Angina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For all the people who can't breathe out there because of that, I hope that you're happy. Respiratory, can, can respir- my story, respiratory humor is not funny, and it shouldn't be joked about. <clears throat> Headline is... But the size of your agenda. Is, what you got saying about the churches ain't true. What? I see you making it up. I'm not making that. You're crazy. I'm not making anything up. Did you up. see the video this week of the guy that had died, and he planted the audio in his coffin? No. It was great. That is awesome. It I'm was in, still It was that. in Dublin. And he's like... Dublin. He's like, he died of cancer, and, and everybody hears everybody standing around the hole in the ground with the coming here. Hey, let me out of here. Hey, it's dark in here. I can't see. Let me out. I've got, I've I got a cough. I can't. It's so funny. And he starts singing, uh, hello again, hello. <laughs> you got to watch the video. All it's right, so it awesome. Out. Headline is Dutch family waiting for the end of time found in secret room. Now, if we could use REM music as. as uh, we can't. No. Because yeah, it'd be the end of the world as we know yeah. it. A family. I mean, I'd feel fine. Yeah. Yeah. A family who spent nine years on a farm waiting for the end of time 
have been discovered by police in the Netherlands. Never, Neverlands. The Neverlands. Michael Jackson's place. I'd be hiding too. (laughs) (laughs) In the Netherlands, after one of them turned up at a local pub, reports say, a man age 58 and six young adults aged 18 to 25 were living at a farm in the province of Durenth. The family were found after the eldest of the children ordered a beer at a bar in a nearby village of Runner World. Runner World. Runner World. Then he told the staff he needed help. Uh, we found six living in a small space in the house, uh, which could be locked. Talking? Is that how the Dutch speak? Yeah. Uh, but wasn't a basement, uh, the police said in a statement on Tuesday. The older man has been arrested. According to the family, he was the f- he is the father of the six children. Uh, it's not clear whether they had been there voluntarily. The eldest son was not there at the time. He was probably still at the bub, you know, tilt, at, tilt at, one did back. Did you say he was at the bub? At the pub. <laughs> did you just have a stroke? <laughs> Local reports describe the man as a handyman called Joseph B., who was originally from Austria. Get down. Get to the bunker. Get to the farm. I've never seen anything like it. Local mayor Roger De Groot told reporters. He's Groot. He revealed that some of the family had not been registered locally and also indicated that the 58-year-old was not the father. The public broadcaster said that the family had been living in isolation waiting for the end of time. Just sitting here, Craig, waiting for the end of time. Just waiting. Bar owner Chris, Chris, (laughs) Chris Westerback described how a man had come in. Westerbeak, beak. It's even funnier than that. (laughs) Described how a man had come in, ordered five beers, and drunk them. Uh, Then I had a chat with him, and he revealed that he had run away and needed help. Then we called called the police. He added he had long hair, a dirty beard, wore old clothes, and looked confused. Good grief. There's people all over Nashville like that. I got one across the table from me he said he'd never been to school and hadn't been to the barber for nine years uh he said he had brothers and sisters who lived at the farm he also said that he was the oldest and wanted to end the way they were living so officers went and visited the remote farmhouse and carried out a search they discovered a hidden staircase behind a cupboard in the living room that led down to a secret room where the family were housed Runerwald is a village with a population of less than 3,000. The farm is outside the village and is accessible by a bridge over a canal. The farm, which is part hidden behind a row of trees, also has large vegetable plot and a goat. So there's their source of milk and cheese. A neighbor told uh, Dutch media that he had only ever seen one man on the farm, no children, and that there had been animals on the ground, such as a geese and a dog. You said there's a, 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 a geese. <laughs> I knew you were going to catch that as soon as I said it. It was a geese. The local postman said he had never delivered a letter there. It's actually pretty strange now, come to think about it, he told uh, the news website. People in the area tweeted the news, and one reporter posted images of the farmhouse saying he had been asked to keep at a distance. Police in Drenth confirmed that a 58-year-old man had been arrested and was under investigation after refusing to cooperate. Yesterday, someone reported that the, they were worried about the living conditions of people in a house in Wittenweisberg in, uh, in Runerwald. They wrote in a tweet, we went there. We still have unanswered questions, they said, adding that all scenarios were open and the investigation was fully underway. The farmhouse, was, uh, the farmhouse and the surrounding grounds have been cordoned off. Cordoned off. Some reports suggest that the 58-year-old had suffered a stroke and had been confined to his bed. 
But, Craig, it is unclear what happened to the children's mother, although the mayor said she died some time ago. You know, I – no, never mind. <laughs> Come on, man. Say it. Well, you were talking about that. We were talking about uh, that condition earlier. You were trying to make a bad joke. Angina? Angina. Yeah. I thought it was a respiratory, but you know, it's actually a heart. Yes, it's, it's a, a heart. It's, it's a heart yeah. Uh, condition. Yeah. I just want, I just felt kind of dumb. I thought it was a – I mean, I felt dumb. I felt dumb all the time, but I, I thought it was a uh, – Anyway, okay. I just felt like I should revisit that. I don't know why. Hey, stick around because our big story is up next. We're going to be talking about the Mothman, so don't touch the fast forward button because we'll know if you do. Yeah, we will. We'll be back in one minute. Have band theme boxes sent right to your door for just $49 a month. Each curated band box includes two brand new vinyl records by the same popular, critically acclaimed artist, an illustrated track-by-track listening guide, and an exclusive magazine about the featured band or singer. Don't want the records we send you? Exchange them for any title in our catalog. Pause or cancel your subscription anytime. Go to bandboxrocks.com and enter the code WEIRD at checkout to get your first month for half off. How's your performance level? If it's not 100%, you may need help from Pelt Performance. At PeltPerformance.com, you get products that enhance your physical and mental performance. From state-of-the-art compression socks to backpacks and water bottles, Pelt Performance takes you to the next level of performing. Go to PeltPerformance.com and use the discount code PODCAST at checkout to save 20% off your first order. And check out their new podcast, High Performance Life, with Chris Sperlick. Weird. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Craig. Hey, it's time for the big story. Oh, yeah. You know, you know what that's all about. Well, wait a minute. Big story. Yeah. Each week on Weird, we focus on a single weird story that deserves more attention than the usual stories we bring you. This is where we bring you conspiracy theories, UFO stories, real-life monster stories. You know, Clintons. Yeah. The Clintons. Uh, Bigfoot. Mothman, etc. Just really strange stuff. Now, of course, we're just covering these stories because they're weird. We're not necessarily saying that we believe them, so keep that in mind. And if you've got a good story you would like for us to cover on The Big Story, just let us know. But for now, The Big Story. Big Story. Tonight's Big Story, the story of the Mothman. Now, this all started... That is the closest moth flappy noise I can make. This all started on November 12th, 1966, in Clinton... Clinton, West Virginia, Clinton, West Virginia, Mountain Mama, Mama. <laughs> a grave Take digger, a grave, <laughs> a grave. By the way, we, we just returned from Colorado. I couldn't get out of my mind the whole time. That John Denver was full of crap, man. <laughs> I kept saying that to Lori. You didn't like it. <laughs> I loved it. We had a ball. What, what, what did he do that was full of crap? That's from Dumb and Dumber. Oh, yeah, I don't remember anything about that movie. You need to rewatch it. Sorry. Anyway, a gravedigger working in a cemetery spotted something strange. He glanced up from his work when something huge soared over his head. A a bird. It was huge. Look at the size of that thing. It was a massive figure that was moving rapidly across the cemetery from tree to tree. He would later describe the figure 
as a brown human being. Now, we got a couple of clips to play real quick. Um, these are actual interviews with actual witnesses. And then there's also a guy in here talking about some other stuff. But listen to this. Two couples come across a, uh, a large winged man-like creature about six feet tall and it quickly ran towards the building and whenever they tried to drive away it chased the car. My brother said well let's just go out there and see it's all it was just a hoax anyway somebody in Halloween costume and all of a sudden I saw him looking at me and then I turned sideways to see what he was looking at and that's when I saw it. And my brother said, what is that? And I turned around, I looked at it again. I said, I don't what know. Is he said, don't look at it. I said, well, what is it? You know, all I seen was just red eyes and some kind of thing running right beside the car. So my brother yelled, well, don't look at it. And I said, well, I'm not, but I was stretching my eyeballs out to the corner. Why and did I that sound like these Scooby-Doo sound effects just then? Then just jumped up and it opened up its wings and flew off into the night. Well, my brother just floored it and we got out of there. <laughs> We call it a lot of people were really scared to death. It was a big talk of the town. A large, enormous bird's going to eat you alive, and it's going to swoop down and pick up your little ones. And that's what my mom thought it would do to my nephew. And so they kept their kids in, and everybody was sort of afraid for a while. So for a while. So the the, the sighting we talked about earlier—that was the first reported sighting of what would be uh, come to be known as the Mothman, and that's an elusive creature. That although now widely celebrated by the town that it once terrorized, remains as mysterious as it was on the night a few frightened witnesses first laid eyes on it. So just three days after the gravedigger's initial report in a nearby Point Pleasant, West Virginia, two couples noticed a gray-winged creature, or should I say winged? A gray winged. It was a, a winged creature. It was a gray-winged creature. About six or seven foot tall. So it wasn't you. Standing in the front of the car that they were all seated in. Eyewitnesses Roger Scarberry and Stephen Mallett told the newspaper, the Point Pleasant Register, that the beast had bright red eyes. Great big red eyes. They were huge. About six inches apart. And a wingspan of ten feet. It was huge. And that it seemed to want to avoid the bright headlights of the car. Well, that's not a real moth. No, it'd it go right to them. A real moth would have gone straight to it. Yeah, they knew because the creature they knew because the creature allegedly chased their moving vehicle to the outskirts of town in the air, then scuttled. It didn't not run or jump. No, no, it, it scuttled. Scuttled. It's scuttling into a nearby. No, it scuttled. It scuttled into a nearby field, then disappeared. Knowing how absurd this must have sounded to a local paper in a small Appalachian community in the '60s, Scarberry insisted that the apparition couldn't have been a figment of his imagination he assured the paper if i had seen it while by myself i wouldn't have said anything but there was four of us who did seen it so there's eyewitness accounts right yonder here's the official story on november 15 1966 at 11:30 p.m roger and linda scarberry along with steve and mary mallet decided to drive out to a popular youth hangout lover's uh, lane right the abandoned World War II TNT factory. Well, that's just romantic right there. <laughs> nothing nothing says romance like, like a old TNT. Explosion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seven miles outside their hometown, uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. This extensive site once housed a secret government explosive factory. Oh. Composed of, of burned concrete dome warehouses, 
connected by an underground tunnel network run by the Pentavrit. A well known Don't add that. A well known secret organization. Sunny Jim. That meets triannually in a secret country cottage known as the Meadows. <laughs> um from the air, these storage igloos blended with the massive 2,500-acre animal preserve and bird sanctuary. According to these and other witnesses, the creature was able to fly at incredible speeds, perhaps as much as 100 miles per hour, one of the men told reporters. Although, now, what kind of bird could fly that fast? A fast one. <laughs> Although all agreed it did make for a clumsy runner on the ground. He could not run, but he could fly. The papers at the paper <laughs> at this point were skeptical, calling it a bird, uh, calling it a bird and a mysterious creature. Though they did print Mallet's description, it was like a man with wings. But more and more sightings were reported in the Point Pleasant area over the next year as the legend of the Mothman took shape. Uh, now, the Gettysburg Times reported eight additional sightings in their short span of three days following the first claims, including two volunteer firefighters who supposedly saw what they described as a very large bird with large red eyes. One sighting reported by Salem, West Virginia resident Newell Partridge. He, he was a keyboard player, wasn't he? Uh, Newell. Uh, was, there, well, there was there was a Chris. Yeah. Anyway, Keith told of strange Ed, wait, there was, there was. patterns that appeared on his television screen one evening, followed by a mysterious sound just outside the house. Shining a flashlight toward the direction of the noise, Partridge supposedly witnessed two red eyes resembling bicycle reflectors looking back at him. This antidote remains a popular one in the Mothman mythos, especially because it resulted in the disappearance of Partridge's dog supposedly to the clutches of the fearsome beast. <clears throat> you ready for this? <laughs> yeah. Dr. Robert L. Smith of The Cure, no. associate professor of wildlife biology at West Virginia University and lead singer of The Cure, dismissed the notion that a flying monster was staking out the town, instead attributing sightings to a sandhill crane which stands almost as tall as the average adult man. That's less than seven feet. And has bright red flesh around its eyes. But it can't fly 100 miles an hour. Well, it, that, was their, that was conjecture on their part. No, no. They, they had, cars back then were built for speed. And they... Like you. I, I'm talking like some of these folks probably had a 57 Chevy, big V8 engine. That thing cooked. It, it hit 100. No, And they were scared to death, so they floored it. And the thing kept up with our car. So you could have had a V8. Stop. The explanation was compelling, especially given the number of early reports that had described the, the creature as bird-like. Some even, even hypothesized that the crane was perhaps deformed, especially if it made its home in the TNT area. Um... What locals call a series of nearby bunkers that were used for manufacturing munitions during World War II, it has been suggested the bunkers have leaked toxic materials into the neighboring wildlife preserve. I don't think so. Another Point Pleasant legend states that the creation of the Mothman was nothing more than the work of one very committed prankster who went so far as to hide in the abandoned World War II munitions plant where many of the sightings occurred. He ain't going to fly 100 miles an hour either. The theory goes that when the national press ran with the Mothman story, 
spreading it across the country, panic set in. Locals became convinced that they were seeing the Mothman in birds and other large animals even long after the prankster had given up. I don't buy that theory whatsoever. The Mothman also bears a striking resemblance to several demon archetypes. Archetypes. That's hard to say. I think that may be getting closer to the truth. Found among those who've experienced sleep paralysis, perhaps suggesting that the visions are nothing more than the embodiment of typical human fears pulled from the depths of the unconscious and grafted onto real-life bird or animal sightings when people panic. Then there are the paranormal paranormal explanations uh, of complicated theories that weave together aliens, UFOs, and precognition. Um, They paint the Mothman as either the harbinger of doom or, more sinisterly, its cause more sinisterly its cause whatever a legend <laughs> it's really written weird a legend that has its roots in the tragedy that befell the point pleasant community shortly after the mothman arrived now this is the this is the part where mothman meets real a real tragedy and somehow the community connected the two it was on december 15th of 1967 a fantastic year correct great year what a great year Just over a year after the first Mothman sighting, traffic was especially bad. The Silver Bridge, built in 1928 to connect Point Pleasant, West Virginia, to Gallopolis, Ohio, was packed with cars from end to end. This isn't the Pewter Bridge. No, no, this is the Silver Bridge. Yeah, this is the aluminum one. This is actual silver. No, and it's not quite as good as the Golden Bridge. No, that that one they never could could build. Uh, It has been built, or it had been built in a time when cars were lighter. For example, a Model T only weighed about 1,500 pounds, a modest sum when compared to the 1967 average for a car 4,000 pounds. So more than three times the weight that, that it was originally built to hold. The engineers hadn't been particularly imaginative, imaginative when it came to the future, nor had they been especially cautious. The bridge's design featured very little redundancy, meaning that if one part failed, there was almost nothing to place in place to prevent other parts from failing as well. So on that cold December day, that's exactly what happened. Boom, boom, boom. Without warning, a single eye bar near the top of the bridge on the Ohio side cracked. The chain snapped and the bridge, its, carefully, its careful equilibrium disturbed, fell to pieces plunging cars and pedestrians into the icy water of the Ohio River below. 46 people died oh my during this accident. Oh, great, oh, Scott. That's they crazy. drowned or, or crashed in the wreckage. So we got a bit of audio from that day from the local news. Mrs. Foster, what was the first thing that you saw? Well, I heard before I saw anything. I was standing right here in my kitchen preparing dinner. And my two boys came out the back door down the steps to get their bicycles. They got down to the bottom of the steps here and they started screaming. They, we heard this terrible boom. And my boys looked around and saw the bridge starting to fall. Well, as soon as I heard the sound, I of course ran out the back door to see what was wrong with the boys and what the noise was. And as I got out my back door, of course I could see what was happening. And I just, I stood right here and watched the whole bridge. What did the bridge look like? Well, it's like my little boy said, it was just like you would build um, a bridge out of child's building toys. And then if you just take a stick and just knock the props out from under it, that's the way it went. Did you see all the trucks and cars falling? I could see part of them, yes, uh, from where I'm standing. But of course, where the trees and things are, I couldn't see too much. 
Mr. Ellis, when was the first indication you had that everything was all wrong? Well, I came to myself after, I imagine it was after the truck came to rest at, on the shore there on the ground. There was someone was trying to get me out. That's all I can remember. See, I was in the sleeper. Were you asleep at the time the bridge fell? Yes, sir, I was. And uh, what was the first thing you realized after the collapse? I realized someone was either pulling me out of the truck cab or lifting me onto a stretcher or something like that. I, I was so addled, I was trying to figure out, but I couldn't. I believe they was lifting me onto a stretcher. What happened to the man who was driving the truck? Uh, he's just across the room here. He has a broken back, and uh, I'm not sure, but maybe one or two, or both of his legs broke. The man who was in the truck with you, have you spoken to him since? Oh, yes, uh -huh. He uh, keeps him under sedation because he has quite a bit of pain. But he comes too, and we talk a little bit occasionally. Ever have an accident like this, or anything like this before? Not this serious, no. This is the worst I've seen. Wow. Yeah. So they're trying to connect the Mothman to that. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And, and uh, you'll see why. Well, that was the second terrible and bizarre thing to ha uh, put the small community of Point Pleasant, not so pleasant, on the map in a year. And some connected the two. In 1975, author John Keel conflated, conflated. Yeah, I he love that word. That's a great word. The Mothman sightings and the bridge disaster, as well as reported UFO activity, to create his book, The Mothman Prophecies. His, isn't that that horrible uh, Richard Gere movie? <laughs> it is. A rich, uh, I his, didn't think it was that bad. His story took hold. Richard Gere was in it, wasn't he? His story took hold, and the town became an icon among conspiracy theorists, theorist, theorist, UFOlogists, and fans of the paranormal. Point Pleasant's fame as the home of the Mothman legend hasn't waned in recent years. In 2002, a movie based on... I heard that somewhere before. Yeah. A movie based on Kill's book rekindled interest in the Mothman. In the Mothman Prophecies film, Richard Gere plays a reporter whose wife seems to have witnessed the Mothman shortly before her death he finds himself inex inexplicably in the Point Pleasant, in Point Pleasant, several years later, with no idea how he got there, and he's not the only one in the area having trouble explaining himself. Several locals are experiencing premonitions of distant disasters, and there's talk of visitations from mysteri a mysterious figure called the Mothman. Um, the film, a supernatural horror and mystery, offers no conclusions communicating instead an eerie feeling of disjointedness that was both panned and praised by critics. I thought it was horrible. Most notably, the film popularized the image of the Mothman as a harbinger of doom. What about the Slenderman guy? What about him? Oh, no, he's creepy. Um, the idea that visitations from the Mothman predicted disaster led some believers to make ties to the Chernobyl disaster of 1986, the Mexican swine flu outbreak of 2009, and the 2011 nuclear disaster in Fukushima. Fukushima is hard to say. Yeah. Japan, among others. Now, I have thought about this. Everything that's happened is probably the Mothman. Well, a lot of it is. 9-11, Mothman. No. Boston Marathon, Mothman. No. Those are both terrorists. Just terrorists. Oh, okay. Unless he convinced them to, to I don't think what so. What if he's a terrorist? The Mothman disappeared for a long time after these uh, incidences. He said, ooh, that bridge, they're going to be mad about that. I'm out. Yeah, I got to go. But on November 21st, 2016, it returned, Craig. 
Here's the story originally reported by WCHS and ABC affiliate. WCHS. Point Pleasant. Hunters in Mason County may need to be on the lookout for something other than deer when they hit the woods this week. The Point Pleasant Mothman is a local legend that over the years has gained worldwide fame. There hadn't been any recent sightings of the red-eyed creature recently, but that changed Sunday evening when a man who says he was driving along State Route 2 saw something jump from tree to tree. He pulled off the road and snapped some pictures. The man declined an on-camera interview, but uh, was adamant that the pictures had not been doctored. He said he recently moved to Point Pleasant for work and didn't even know about the legend. In the pictures, the creature appeared to have wings with pointed tips and long legs bent at an awkward angle. Point Pleasant locals such as Carol and Harris believe the pictures could be real because they have seen so many other sightings over the years. I definitely know the Mothman is real, Harris said. The Mothman was reportedly sighted in Point Pleasant by witnesses from November 15th to December 15th in 1966. Author John Keel popularized uh, the local folklore, as we just discussed. Harris set, uh, has owned the Mothman Diner in Point Pleasant for 48 years. She has also started the Mothman Festival, which is a big deal at this point. Harris said there are too many sightings of the Mothman for her not to believe. First responders in the sheriff's department that I talked to definitely made a believer out of me, Harris said. Some believe the Mothman is a bad omen. That's a scary movie. The Omen? Yeah. I haven't seen that. Only appearing when a catastrophe is about to, to strike. Uh, there have been many claims to the winged red-eyed creature has seen right before the Point Pleasant Silver Bridge collapsed in 1967. Harris has met many Mothman believers over the years who visit her diner. Uh, on a recent Monday, Karen and Ralph Smith were patrons at the diner. The couple were traveling from Florida to Pennsylvania, but stopped off in Point Pleasant to visit the Mothman Museum. Karen Smith says she hopes she can add herself into the believer category. You have eyewitnesses. It does have a potential to be real, and I want to believe, Smith said. The Smith said the Mothman pictures look real to them, so Eyewitness News asked Jeff Wamsley, the local Mothman expert and owner of the museum. Wamsley said that the with modern technology, it's almost impossible to know for sure if the pictures are real. Now, but those pictures were taken in the 90s, weren't they? And didn't it, no, no, it's 2016. Okay. Yeah, it could have been a little Photoshop thing. Maybe. But whether the pictures are real or not, the benef uh, they benefit the legend of the Mothman, and that brings to town uh, Point Pleasant. Uh, the benefits are very real to that little town. So it's a good thing. It brings a lot of people to the area. He's here to stay, Harris said. So the Mothman can still be seen in Point Pleasant, West Virginia today in the form of a historical museum of made-up crap, open seven <laughs> days a week, and also as a 12-foot-tall chrome statue complete with massive steel wings and red, uh, ruby red eyes. The museum's website states, uncover the truth that lies behind the legend of the Mothman. Dude, they could use that in a commercial. Yeah, they could. That sounded great. See the largest collection of props and memorabilia from the movie The Mothman Prophecies in the town where the Mothman sightings and encounters actually occurred. Read rare historical documents, more like hysterical documents, <laughs> from the what Mothman. What is wrong with you? I'm going to shun you. You're shun, a non-believer. Non-believer, shun. Uh, read the rare historical documents from the Mothman eyewitnesses themselves, documenting what they experienced that fateful night on November 15, 1966. See rare historical press clippings and photographs of the Silver Bridge disaster. Now, that's interesting. Um, 
I suppose you think that's made up too. No, that's real. 40, 40 some odd people did. Well, but the Mothman didn't do it. Learn more about you know the. This. I know. I know he didn't. I'll go out there and sleep all night. There's no Mothman. I'll bring a big flash water with me. You also don't believe in the Illuminati. They can come to my house anytime they want, but it's fakes. Learn more about the historical uh, figureheads of the, more like bobbleheads of the Mothman legacy, like John Keel, Mary Heyer, and the Scarberry and Mallet eyewitnesses. There's plenty to be discovered. Research and uncover the truth for yourself if you got nothing better to do. A festival commemorating the Mothman's visit has taken place annually for years, a fun celebration that attracts locals and tourists alike. If you're passing through West Virginia, why would you be this September? Uh, consider, we, ne- just, we just missed next September, yeah. consider swinging by the festivities to remember one of America's strangest and most intriguing local legends. Let's go out there next September, me and you. Let's go report. Live, oh, okay. live report. And watch you get taken off like a big mothman comes in <laughs> and grabs you. easy prey. So what is or was the mothman? Where did it come from? Some claim it was summoned from another dimension by a local warlock. Others speculate. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd that come Everybody's from? Everybody's got one of those. Escalated, <laughs> escalated quickly. Others speculate it's the manifest manifestation <laughs> of a Native American curse or of revenge. Another theory states it's a large bird mutated from biochemicals that leaked from the TNT plant, while others believe it's simply a misidentified sandhill crane. I, for one, think it's just some bad stuff they've been mixing in the pot up in, uh, <laughs> you know, if you've seen The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia, it's not a far cry oh from what we're talking Skip about. Skip that movie and, and watch The Mountain Dancer. Hey, watch both of them. Make it a night. No, no, that, uh, that, that other one went beyond. You went beyond. beyond. Well, Craig... Um, we, uh, guess, I guess we're gonna have to agree to disagree because I, I think the Mothman is something and it is out there somewhere and you're, you're, uh, you're something and you're out here somewhere. <laughs> well, it's glad I'm glad to be back at Lee Berry with you, buddy. I missed you. And uh, we, it was a nice two weeks off though. It was a nice two weeks without you. Yeah. You lost a family member, gained a family member. And I lost kinda, a family. Yeah. Member. Your daughter. She's no longer under your, uh, I didn't lose her. Roof. That sounds horrible. The way you said that <laughs> you gained a, bro- she a got son married. in law. Yeah. She got married. I got a son in law. Yeah. I had to do the whole wedding thing. Boy, whew, I'm eating like Vienna sausages for the next few weeks. Yeah. And I missed the wedding because we were That's expensive. We were, I've heard. Oh I gosh. may never find out, but I've heard. Yeah. I mean, not. We were hiking in the uh, Smoky Mountains. I found myself in the you Smoky said you Mountains. You were in Colorado. I mean, I mean the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> now your story is changing quite a bit. And we went by the old uh, Stanley Hotel where Stephen King came up with The Shining. Oh, that's at the Stan Lee Hotel where no, Stan no. Lee would. <laughs> the Stanley Hotel. Had a blast out there. We went, went to um, We went to the grave of Buffalo Bill and the museum. That was awesome. You know, he was the P.T. Barnum of the Wild West. You're the PT Barnum of this wet of this podcast, <laughs> listener. Thank you for at least uh, one of the monkeys for not yelling at us for taking a couple of weeks off. We're going to start doing that every year. We are. Uh, oh yeah. Can we okay. st- we're that break. Take, do you want to take two more off here in the next week? <laughs> we'll be back in three weeks. No. <laughs> Darn it. Anyway, and if any of you, well, you wouldn't hear this if you're listening to Spotify. Apparently, Spotify has got problems picking up some of our latest episodes. Oh, do they? We don't know what's going on with that. Oh boy. I'd say use something other than Spotify. Yeah. We don't know what's up Download with that. Download a new app. We probably should figure out what's going on with that, huh? Well, we're looking forward to next episode, and I hope you are too. We'll be back next Monday. Craig, thanks, uh, as always, for your hard work on this episode and for being here to record. I mean, if I'm not here, we can talk, it don't to, you, happen. You can talk to yourself. No, I do that 
at home. Man, I gotta get out of here. I'm hungry. Me too. It's dinner time. I'm tasting a uh, Speedway pizza, I think. Oh, they're good. Oh, they're real good. I'm surprised you're not going over to Little Caesars. Well, since I've started the, the Speedways, same price and just quick. And it's well, no, it's not the same price. Well, you yeah. just the pepperoni. Yeah. Yeah, I tried the uh, barbecue chicken's really good. There's also a buffalo chicken. Dang, I'm thinking my pizza. A bad influence. Or maybe I'll head over to our local Taco Bell and get a nacho box. Are we still there? We're I still hope so. Of? That's nacho box. It's nacho box. All right, we're out of here. See you later. Peace. Bye. Creep.